Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. Today I am speaking with the Brooklyn-based composer and songwriter, Etan. Etan, how are you doing today? I'm good, Aaron. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, Etan. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, yeah, thanks for doing this. Etan has had quite a few placements, so we're going to talk about music licensing today. We're going to talk about the music business in general, but Etan, for my listeners who are not familiar with you, tell us a little bit about your uh, licensing experience and some of the shows you, you've had your music featured on. Um, so I think it might be important to start with uh, how I got into licensing, which was by complete accident on an MTV VMA special where I got a royalty check and I was like, what is this? And I got paid for my music actually being on t television. Yeah. And then I turned that into, um, you know, now over 50 television shows where I, after that placement, I learned everything I could possibly learn about music licensing mm -hmm. and trying to put myself in the best position to get more of what just happened by accident. And now I find myself on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Kim's Wedding, The Real World, um, I did a Longmire promo, um, uh, Teen Choice Awards, so it, it, I can't even remember them all, but it's been quite a few. Nice. And how did you get that? You said you said you got into licensing by accident. How how did that yeah. that very first placement come about? How did that happen? So I'm still not sure how my music got into the hands of the people who were in charge of the music for that. MTV VMA special, but I'm assuming it had to happen because around that time I was submitting for a lot of major label placements and through yeah. artists and, and A&R people, and that's really the only way that my music would have been circulating, so I guess it somehow ended up in the hands of those people. I still don't know how it happened, but if I hadn't had my, um, my songs registered with my PRR, I would have never known. I would have never got paid, so that's kind of like the, the epitome of like why who I am, really, because I'm a very business-minded kind of creative person. So I've always cared about the business as well as the creative side. Yeah. So do you think somebody used your music without your permission? I mean, did yeah. You, yeah. They definitely did there because I didn't. I, I didn't sign off on it. I didn't approve it, and it just happened. It was just wow. like, that's that. That's so, I'm sure that happens a lot more than um, people ever talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing, like you said, that you're registered with your, your PRO, and it sounds like since then, like, this has sort of become a kind of a, a part-time career for you, it sounds like, so you're probably, I guess, happy that it happened on one hand, but were you also a little upset that someone just for, found your music and put it on this show without your permission? Yeah, for for sure, and it's, it's you know, before then, I was pretty business-minded, but ever since then, I was like, well, I don't really want this kind of thing to happen so how do i go about making sure that i protect myself that i understand what it means when someone needs to use your your music and licensing and that whole process and um it's definitely been something that's like i'm i'm aware that it happens and i try to uh make sure that i'm not in that position so i use things like TuneSat, yeah you know, TuneSat tracks all the music on, on the internet and, and television and you know I always try to match those up with my royalty statements just to make sure everything is cool but it's definitely something that that happens that is interesting 
Yeah, man, that's so it's it I feel like this is something that that over the last few years I'm hearing more and more about. I never used to hear stories like this 5 or 10 years ago, but I've he- I've heard a few similar stories in the in the last couple of years, which is very uh disconcerting. I mean I mean the the, yeah. the the fact that people are out there just using I mean it's one thing that people are like downloading music illegally and mm-hmm. kind of affecting record sales, but when this kind of whole mindset seeps into licensing like that's really really a, a problem so what what have what have you done since then to sort of avoid uh, other than using TuneSat? do you have any other any well, other this, this actually happened in 2009 that was my, my first placement wow. um it happened in 2009 and i got you know the royalty check in 2010 you know since it comes nine months later and uh, what I do now is outside of TuneSet, I just TuneSet is the main tool that I use. Yeah. Um, but I I'm very protective of the music that I send out to people. I'm only sure. with one music library. Um, I have a whole catalog that I created that is not with any music libraries because I don't really. I think music libraries are good for a certain thing when you have a certain plan. Yeah. But I would, I'm not one of the people that sends music to everybody and anybody at this point. Early okay. on, I was just trying to, you know, get my music out there like a lot of musicians do. Um, I was sending more things out, but more now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more seasoned and I understand how the the game works a little bit better. Okay, yeah, well, that's interesting. I want to talk to you about this because you, um, you've been able to get your music in over 50 plus TV shows on 25 different networks. Yeah. Using just one music library, so I I want to find out how you've done this because. Like a lot of the music, musicians I work with, a very common sort of story seems to be they sign with one music library, maybe they get one placement. Yeah. They wait a few months, they sign with another music library, maybe nothing happens. They sign with another, maybe they get two placements. It seems very random. So how how have you been able to, using just one library, get all these placements? Yeah. So my story is pretty different from a lot of people because on one hand I, I have been with only one music license uh, library, but I have also gone directly to the production company. And my biggest placements have been through directly through the production company placing it on the show. So the Kardashians and the Real World and Bad Girls Club and a whole bunch of shows, I've gone directly to them. And so I got the publishing and the writer side. I didn't have to give up anything. And, um, you know, it's, that's like the most ideal position to actually be in. Sure. Um, a lot of the smaller placements, have come through the one music library that I've been in, and I've just been fortunate enough that they use um, a, a core group of my tracks over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Throughout different, a whole bunch of different television shows. So maybe, maybe five, six, or seven have been through the the production company, and the rest have all been through the music library. Okay. That's that's uh, interesting to hear. When you're approaching music supervisors, what's your What's your strategy? How do you approach them? Well, I look to see how how can I add the most value for what you're looking for musically. So it's like I try to get a, a good feel of what they're looking for. Yeah. And I've learned the approach in terms of, you know, you don't just send them everything. You, you send them exactly what they need or they're, they're looking for after you find out what they're looking for. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you build a relationship, then they end up coming to you over time and asking you, what do you have? Can you give me this? Do you have something that sounds like this? Do you fit like this? And then, in my case, um, that's worked out well for me because I've been able to 
send them a whole batch, like maybe 10, 15 songs at a time, and next thing you know, they're on television. And um, how are you finding out what kind of music they need initially? Like, if you don't have a relationship with these supervisors, how are you finding out what, what they're looking for? In some cases, it's through some mutual connections. So um, I just signed a distribution deal to um, to have help with uh, getting syncs as well as distribution. And so mm -hmm. that came through knowing someone that worked at the company okay. um, that knew of the catalog that I have. And so then, you know, that made the conversation easier. And, you know, then you just find out where the, uh, the intersection is that you can, like, insert yourself in. Um, outside of that, <clears throat> it's just really been through mutual relationships where people know of, of what I'm doing, and they, they've they heard some of the songs, and I have a, a very diverse catalog. So it usually just starts like that. Like with a lot of things, it's, it's the relationship. Yeah. Are these relationships, are you building these primarily online and over the phone, or are these people that you're actually meeting in person and uh, networking with that way? Mainly online. I know I know a few people in person who know um, you know exactly what I'm doing, but those haven't been the ones that have led to what I've done so far. So mainly the ones that have been most successful are online. Nice. And how how big is your catalog? How many songs do you have in your catalog? So I have two catalogs. I have one that is my personal catalog, which has a couple hundred. And then I have another catalog that I made specifically for not TV placements, more like film, advertising, games, and that's about 300 pieces of music. So I spent a year in, in a studio with a small team creating music specifically for, um, you know, music licensing opportunities, things, and that kind of, um, you know, that kind of, that area of things. Nice. And are you, do you perform live as well? Are you performing? No, I do not. No. No, it's your strictly uh, studio guy. Yes. Yeah. When you're when you're getting placements directly, if you don't mind, I have a lot of questions about yeah. working with supervisors because sure. I really um, focus on libraries and, and publishers via my mm -hmm. website. So I'm always curious when people are able to uh, develop relationships with supervisors. So yeah. uh, so I'm wondering, like, obviously you're getting your your publishing and writer share. Are you yeah. getting like uh, sync fees up front for these shows? Not for the television shows, because I mean I'm sure you're familiar with the cable shows. They don't really want to pay up front. They just want to, um, you know, get the the gratis for yeah. it. And and so I don't really I don't really dabble in that anymore. So I, the, a lot of the placements that I'm continuing to get are just stuff that have been in the pipeline for years now. Yeah. Um. They they just keep coming and using the music because it's in the pipeline. That's the benefit of having um, started and started really strongly. Um, four, five years ago. Um, in terms of, what was the question again? Sorry. I was just asking about about sync fees when you're going directly yeah. with, with uh, yeah, directly no. to supervisors. So, so and, and I have gotten some upfront sync fees for some of the web uses that I've had. Yeah. So Oakley and Lunchables, um, I believe I got an upfront sync free fee for both of those for um, the online web video that i did okay nice and are you um do you mind me asking like i don't need an exact figure but are you generating a full-time income from licensing or is this part-time it, it, it's part-time yeah I, i've made thousands from um you know uh, up to five probably more than five thousand at this point from the royalties generated 
from from you know the shows that appear in front of millions of, of viewers that you know, they, they're on television hundreds of times yeah. and streamed hundreds of thousands of times. Um, so that's been you know over five thousand dollars I've made from licensing. Nice. And then what what else do you uh, do, Ethan, for uh, paying the bills? Yeah, so I, I, I'm an engineer, I'm a songwriter, I'm a producer, so I work in, um, you know, some of the top studios in New York City, and I also coach and consult not only musicians, but um, creative entrepreneurs uh, in terms of just the strategy and how they navigate, uh, you know, being a creative doing this, trying to make a, a living off your art. Nice. So you're working with artists, uh, coaching them, giving them career advice, that kind of thing? Yeah, yes. And just kind of laying out the path that I've taken and seeing how it can work for them, you know, the mindset that's gone into, you know, being business-minded. A, a lot of musicians, they just want to make music and they don't really know how they're going to make money off of it. And part of what makes me different has been, like, I've always been focused on the business side as much as they created from the start. So that's really dictated a lot of my decisions. And, you know, like like I said, without being signed up for my PRO, I would have never known about that first placement. And that kind of, like, set the path for everything that's come afterwards. Right. So that was in 2009, so it's, you've been doing this about about five years. One of the things you talked about, and maybe you already sort of alluded to this earlier, but you mentioned, um, like, some of the mistakes you made along the way. Did, mm -hmm. did you... Um, what were you re referring to there? Yeah, so um, sometimes you feel like you need to, you just have this one opportunity and you need to send as much music as possible. And the music supervisors aren't looking for that. They're looking for what they want because the people who do that, they're kind of wasting the time of the music supervisor when they're just really, they're on tight deadlines. They need what they want when they need it. And um, that was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I've, I've – it, it didn't cost me anything major, but I didn't land opportunities or keep certain relationships because I wasn't delivering exactly what they needed when they wanted – when they needed it. Yeah. So that's one thing – one of the major things that, like, I can pass on to people is, you know, if you don't have anything that someone is looking for at the moment, it doesn't mean you have to submit. Yeah. There's, there's always other opportunities. Um and, you know, I've seen, you know, I, I work with many musicians, and I don't make this mistake because I've always been uh, business-minded, but, you know, a lot of people just sign contracts without without reading them or without really caring about the long-term effects of what they may be signing just because they're, they just think that the opportunity is there and they need to take it. But not every opportunity is a great opportunity. And you can create more opportunities than you'll actually lose if you know how to navigate. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. What are your sort of long-term goals, Itan? How old are you, by the way? I'm 29. Okay. So you've been doing licensing about five years. You're, you're generating thousands of dollars a year. Do you, like not being a performer, how, how do you sort of see yourself carving out a viable career going forward? So, so I'm may, I'm not just a musician. So I I am I call myself a business-minded creative. So I'm like the string puller behind a bunch of musicians or artists or um, writers and uh, videographers and cinematographers. So I'm the one that since I've I've learned how to navigate the creative world from a strategic perspective, 
I'm able to be that person that like helped other people do it, whether it's in music or not. So that's how I have my hand um, in really creating what I'm what I'm creating. And I, you know, I have, a, I have a, a creative company that you know we create not only the music for uh, videos for licensing, but we actually create the videos themselves, or we create lyric videos for artists, and we oh, okay, team up nice. and we have we have strategic partnerships with all types of creative people to create all kinds of, you know, music is at the foundation of it, yeah. but it's difficult to be an indie uh, musician and, and think that you can just do one thing, be a producer, or just be a songwriter, or, or you know, do that. So yeah. I have my hands in, in, in many different ways, in many different places. Um, but the coaching and the consulting has been really good to me. Nice. Do you, does your company make music videos as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 something I, I might talk to you about um, off the uh, off the air. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Well, Etan, any any more advice for um, musicians who want to get into licensing? I would say the main thing is to um, learn the business of it and learn how uh, how to navigate better than your peers, because that's the only reason I've been able to not only get that accidental placement, but turn it into not just one. Because I, I know many people who have just one placement, and it's difficult to get many. But um, I think it comes down, after the business, it comes down to just delivering the music that people really want. And uh, I think that those two things really just set the tone for how you can pave the path for yourself. Yeah, so you, you another thing you alluded to was the number one thing that sets musicians apart from sort of the, the herd. Mm -hmm. what, what is that? Is that what you're re referring to? Just yeah, I would say being business-minded. Yeah. In, in, in my, um, you know, my experience, I just don't meet many musicians that understand what a PRO is, understand what a publishing company does, um, understanding what it means to be self-published or to even register your songs or to even think ahead two, three, four, five years about where you want to be. Um, we're, we're, a lot of us were just kind of just doing it and hoping that it works, but we're not uh, taking an act, we're not taking an active role in in forcing the path. Yeah, and I think that's really the number one thing that sets uh, you know successful indie musicians apart. And I'm sure you're very business-minded yourself and can attest to that. Yeah, well, I think the other important sort of thing to keep in mind when you're getting into licensing is that it takes time to sort of build momentum and, mm -hmm. and build credits. And like you said, you started in 2009. We're in 2015 now. So it obviously took you a few years to sort of build, to get to the point where you are, are now. How, how, mm -hmm. lo how long did it take? I know your, your first placement was, was sort of uh, by accident, but how long did it take after that before you started seeing pretty consistent uh, placements in, in different shows? Well, it was an interesting story because after that first placement, I was working with an artist from college, and I wanted to just try an experiment. So I was like, I wonder if I make this kind of music with this guy, would I be able to get it licensed? Yeah. So I spent after I got that that uh, that first placement, I probably spent the next six months working on a project with this artist, and for specifically to see if I could get them licensed. And within a year, I got them licensed on maybe five more shows. Okay. And then from there, I did it again with him, and then. Within another year, that's when I landed the Kardashian placements and the, the real world placements and all of that stuff. So it kind of snowballed from there 
because I was just immersed in it. And I was immersed in the business side, but immersed in how do I get my music to the right people. Yeah. Um, so within within two years, so by 2011, I had um, maybe 15, 20 placements. Nice. And have you seen any sort of um, do you sell do you sell your music like on iTunes and sites like that? Uh, they're up there, and yeah. we just signed a distribution deal for that. But that's not really the focus because I'm not an artist, okay. so not, I don't really have that promotional um, side of like I have songs with lyrics, but they're not promoted enough for people to really know them and and buy them. Outside of the art, outside of the songs that I've done with like other um, other artists, but not yeah. mine personally. Okay, fair enough. Well, listen, Etan, let's um, let's do this. If people want to learn more about you and your your music, what's your uh, website? Where can they go? So what I'm going to do is I'll probably put together a page specifically for this podcast where people can get to know me or and get some extra material that if you want to learn about my story or how you can license your music more. And that's going to be on businessmindedcreative.com okay. slash how to license. Businessmindedcreative.com? Yes, creative.com slash how to license. Okay, businessmindedcreative.com slash how to license. Did yeah. I get it right? Cool. Yeah. Um, what I like to do, Etan, is play a uh, song of every artist I feature on this podcast. Do you mm -hmm. have, is there like a particular song you can think of that you can tell me now that you can send me after the podcast and, and I'll put it at the end so people can kind of get a taste of your music? Sure, I can send you uh, an acoustic song that we did when we were, we spent a year in the studio called "Just Make It Count." So it's a it's a catchy song that ever, that people who have heard it they've enjoyed it. So I think you guys might enjoy it too. Very sing friendly. Very cool, uh, Etan. The song is called "Just Make It Count." Uh, thanks so much for doing the podcast with me today. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ethan. Have a great day and keep up the uh, the good work. Thank you, man. You too. In California, where your dreams are made of broken, in your car driving all across the town, and they say you have to fake it till you make it, but when your heart breaks, does it ever make a sound? If your heart breaks, does it ever make a sound? Out in New York, where they ride around with tokens Just leave your feelings on the other side of town And they say you have to fake it till you make it It don't matter what it is, just make it count Cause when your heart starts hurting, it's all part of the journey, don't give it up. It don't matter what it is, just make it count. Now at the end of it, you've gotten all you wanted. It's the secret that they all wish that they found. So they'll tell you that they always knew you'd make it. It don't matter what it is, just make it count. It don't matter what it is, just make it count.